Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Um, But before I continue with our message, two things I just wanted to say before I went on. I don't have a slide for it, but next week is our one-year anniversary. We're celebrating our one year of being a church, which is amazing. Uh, and so we have about, um, uh, uh, today's a, it's kind of a holiday weekend, so I know there's several people who are out of town today. We have about 80 people who would call Love City Church their home. Uh, and if we all came at the same time at church on Sunday, uh, we'd have a packed house here today. And we believe that uh, we've invited about 10 to 12 pastors to come. Uh, and what's going to happen is we've got some water baptisms. There's some older folks getting water baptized, people in their 30s and 40s. We've got some younger folks being water baptized. We've got uh, hopefully five, but right now we have three. And uh, we've got, it's really great to see that happen. We're going to cast vision and uh, we're going to cast vision for the year. I've got four or five things I want to talk about that we're going to focus our attention on next year. We're going to celebrate this year. We have a video. We're going to honor our volunteers. We're going to have worship and prophetic atmosphere. Some of our visiting pastors are going to come with a a mindset to kind of give some prophetic thoughts. I really want you to be there. If you say Love City Church is my home, even if it's not, but if it specifically is, please, 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 today, would you go online? It'll take you two minutes. Go online, click on uh, register uh, or sign up for our uh, one-year anniversary. That way we can just plan uh, it's going to be a nice dessert evening. My mother-in-law's put on the whole night, so we'll have wonderful desserts. We'll have a photo booth. So if you want to come a little bit early and uh, have some dessert and have some coffee and some special drinks, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, come. If you want to dress up nice, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. I'm going to dress up kind of nice. You know, I'm going to wear a tux. No, I'm just kidding. No tuxes. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to wear a tux. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to wear a button-up shirt, folks, and uh, probably the same pants and shoes, though, so don't get too excited. Uh, but uh, it's going to be fun, and I really want to just encourage you to make it a priority. And if you say, you know what, right now, I wasn't going to be in town, change your plans and be there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and if you'd like to be water baptized, hey, it's okay. Even if you want up to the very last second uh, until next week, you say, I've never been water baptized and I want to be, uh, you can sign up online. We do have a class today for 30 minutes from 11.45 to 12.15, where we're just going to talk a little bit about what that means to be water baptized. So, all right, well, I got a message for you today. Are you ready? Put your seatbelts on, get your Bibles ready. You can go to your Version app. If you want, download the Version app on the App Store. And if you go to uh, More, click on Events, and there's uh, type in Love City Church. And all the notes are available for you there. Uh, get right into the word this morning, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk about something that I believe, I believe the Lord's going to do a work in some of your lives today. Uh, but I need to teach you some things in the scripture. We're going to talk about victorious minds. Uh, in order for you to live a victorious life, you have to have a victorious mind. Without a victorious mind, you will not be able to live a victorious, fruitful life as a follower of Christ. And what we're going to do today is I'm going to read through a scripture and I'm going to teach you some, uh, I'm going to try to uh, kind of pull the wool off of, or the, the veil, I'm sorry, off of uh, maybe some of our eyes when it comes to the areas of our mind and some, some realities that we live in today. And so let's get into the scripture here. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 20 to 24. And it says this, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the, in the attitude of your mind. You were taught with regard to former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Look at this, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now you'll notice the scripture says that you were taught in him. Paul is coming to the church of Ephesus, a bunch of Christians, and he's saying, listen guys, I want you to know that I taught you, you've, been, you've learned this before. This isn't new information. This isn't something new for you. I'm not giving you a fresh revelation. I'm reminding you about something that I've already taught you. And you'll notice it says that you were taught in him. What Paul is talking about here today is he's teaching us that we have to remember that our lives cannot be lived around Christ or near Christ or under Christ or above Christ. Our lives have to be lived through Christ. The scripture that came to my mind is a famous one. It's on my wall in my office. I can do all things, how? Through Christ who gives me strength. Many of us in our walk with the Lord, we try to serve God around him or near him. We have a mental ascent of who he is. We understand philosophically who God is. We may even have a little bit of faith and we go to church and we, we know that we're Christians and we're followers of God and we're followers of who he is and we live a life near him. But are you living your life through him? And Paul here is talking about what it looks like to live your life through Christ. And how if you live your life through Christ, the outcome of your life, the outcome of your choices, the outcome of your parenting, the outcome of your life that you live, if you're living through Christ, will be impacted first and foremost in the area of your mind. Your mind is the starting point for how you live your life. And so Paul is wanting to help them understand that they were uh, to live through Christ. And so Paul continues here and look what he says. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being what? Corrupted. That word corrupted there means to be devoid of purpose. It means to be devoid of truth. It means to basically have no real spiritual understanding, to be corrupted. Now, how many of you have ever had a virus on your computer? Now, I am a Mac user, so for 12 years, I've never experienced a Mac uh, a virus on my computer, nor have I had to have antivirus software, Joel, so you can just stick it up your computers. So anyways, like those of you today who are PC users, you know what it's like to have a virus. Go to that, uh, that movie streaming website that you love watching those movies on, and then a day later you've got your pop-ups are going like crazy, or you open up the internet uh, stinking uh, explorer, and all of a sudden it goes pop-pop-pop-pop-pop, or shuts down randomly, or your computer moves to a, to a tiny, slothful, you click the button, and it goes, the little blue thing goes like this for about an hour. Anyone ever experienced that before? And you say, oh, so I must be, must be something wrong with my computer. Well, there's probably a virus on your computer. And what happens is, is that when we begin to, uh, with our operating system or our mind, we begin to engage in certain things in the area of our operating system. And so we have to install software, virus protection, to go out and look for and clean anything in our operating system or our mind that may have uh, allowed certain things in. And it eradicates it, and it cleans it, and it washes it off. 
Now, I don't know what your script or the software that's been installed in your brain or the virus or the corruption that may have been in your life, but I know that there's all sorts of different types of viruses that we still struggle with today. Many of us have accepted Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been saved. But we still have a corrupted operating system. Many of us today can't figure out why can't I go farther in God? It's because in the area of our mind, we've allowed this potential corruption or virus or script to run in our mind. And it could be all sorts of things. It could be angry thoughts or unforgiving thoughts or suicidal thoughts or rebellious thoughts or lustful thoughts or sexually illicit thoughts, prideful thoughts, unforgiving thoughts, negative thoughts about who you are or what you're capable of. Thoughts of fear, thoughts of doubt, anxious thoughts, thoughts of guilt and shame. Now, you might have a perfect operating system here today, but I know I sure don't. I know that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I see the glass half full of every single item in my life. Everything's half, or half, I'm sorry, half empty. My, I wish it was half full. Everything I see is half empty. I just come from a negative perspective. And so sometimes I get anxiety in my mind and I can't stop, shut off that anxiety where and sometimes I have thoughts like this, Ryan, you're just not that good of a person. You're actually not that great of a father. Ryan, you're really not that good of a person. Do you know that that person doesn't like you? Do you know that guy over there looked at you weird who probably just had a really bad day, but I'm thinking, oh, he hates me. What did I do wrong? What's going on? There's something, a virus, a corruption, something's wrong in my mind. And the reason I can speak on this today is because I've taken years and years and years of studying the Bible, trying to figure out how do I have break through in the area of my mind and the Lord has been revealing some things to me in my life. See, what we have here is we have corruption in our thinking and we don't even realize it sometimes. And sometimes we live our life with this script running in our brain, this script running in our thinking, this script running in our parenting and we don't even realize it's there. And it actually has impact on the outcome of your life. So Paul actually refers to this in Ephesians just a few verses prior. He talks about this in Ephesians 4, and he says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the what? In the futility of their thinking. So he says, listen, guys, I'm going to teach you something here. You're no longer, which would mean that they were, you don't tell someone to stop doing something if they're already, if they're, you know, like if they're not doing it. He says, no, you guys, listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, you can no longer live with the futility in your thinking like you used to think. And then Paul goes further to help us understand what happens when there's futility in our thinking. He says this. He says that they are darkened in their understanding. So they don't see things begin to get cloudy in their mind. And the, that word darkened actually means to, to, to shade our, uh, the ability to see light. You're darkened in your understanding and you are separated from the life of God. You start to feel distant from the Lord. And because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart, your heart starts to get hard. And then you begin to lose sensitivity to the spirit. And then you begin to give yourselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are also so full of greed. The scripture here is teaching us what our life can look like that if you're not careful, you say, Ryan, how do I know if I have futility? Am I thinking, well, you look at your behaviors and say, what are some things I'm doing that maybe I know I can't seem to figure out in my life? And it kind of went back to the part where I kind of began to lose sensitivity to the voice of the Lord, the sensitivity to the spirit. And I found that my heart was getting a little bit harder and I felt a little bit distant from the Lord. And I, I realized 
realized that I began to not really understand things. My, my mind was cloudy and I got a little confused. And instead of uh, really wanting breakthrough, I kind of just gave into that. And it started a very one little thought, one little script, one little perspective. Ryan, you're not as good as you think you are. Ryan, Ryan, you're a terrible person. Ryan, you're this. Ryan, you're that. Ryan, anger at people, unforgiveness, lustful thoughts. All sorts of things are injected into my brain. And it comes from one source, which we'll talk about today. But if I don't learn how to get victorious in my thinking, what happens is, is I begin to get foggy. I begin to get hardened in my heart. I begin to sense I'm separate. Why do I feel so distant from the Lord? I lose sensitivity. And I find that I'm beginning to do these behaviors in my life. Oh my gosh, I'm a follower of Christ. Why am I doing these things? It all started back with a thought. It started with a script that was ran on your brain. And we as followers of Christ, Paul is here trying to help us understand how to work through this. And James talks about it too. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one of you is tempted. So there's the thought. He's drawn away by his own desires. There's the corruption, the virus in us. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So James 1 there tells us, it teaches us what that looks like. And what happens is in our life is that when our temptation and our desire gets together to have a baby, it brings forth death, and look, or sin, and sin brings forth death. You say, wow, how did I get here? It all started with a thought in your brain. It all started at that spot. Back to what Paul said in our key text in Ephesians 4. He says, okay, now listen, no longer, no longer uh, think like the futility of the thinking. This is the process of that. Instead, you were taught to, uh, to be renewed in the attitude of your mind. You were, you were, you were re renewed in your thinking, renewed in your understanding. And he says also to put on your new self, your new person, your who you really are in Christ. See, Paul is saying, listen, you were taught to do this. Put on your new self and be renewed in the attitude of your mind. And Paul says in Romans 12 too, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. That word is metamorphosis. That's like when a caterpillar goes into a butterfly. He says, let your mind be transformed, metamorphosis. Let the Holy Spirit come and transform your thinking so that you can then test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. If your mind is not renewed, your mind is not transformed, you cannot test and approve God's good and perfect will for your life. And so you see that it all starts in your mind. Many of us have these things running in our brain that have been there for generations, for years, and we've just given up. And now our life is reflecting that. Unforgiveness in my life was a big deal. And then when someone would come and say one word wrong, I would just immediately have unforgiveness towards them. And it wasn't because it wasn't them. They were just the same. It was the same face. It was the same situation with a different face. And your life will live out what you think about. And so Paul here is trying to help us understand this. And he kind of moves on and begins to go into, uh, I want to help you understand where this com comes from. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on, look at that, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Look at this. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit. Bring the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. So the sword of the Spirit is your Bible. He actually says in the scripture that the sword of the spirit, the spirit, notice that, the connection between the spirit and the word. That you've been given a weapon, the scripture says there are strategies of the devil, strategies of the enemy, and what has he given you to resist it? The Bible. This is the very tool by which you and I can stand against the schemes and the strategies of the enemy. Now, I believe the enemy wants to get you to scoff at what I'm saying this morning. Ryan, we heard this in Sunday school. Ryan, we've read this scripture a thousand times. I remember putting on the flannel board at school and they'd lay the flannel board and they put the armor on and all that stuff. Yay, we get a new flannel board. You say the scoff at the realities. Oh, come on, that's so cute, an armor. Oh yeah, the Bible, we get it, Ryan. Did you know that this is the one tool, the one weapon, the one key that the scripture talks about that can help you rewire your thinking so you can begin to live the life that God wanted you to live? And you would be shocked at the statistics of Christians who only read their Bible once a month. Yet it is the very, very thing. It'd be like Paul saying this if he said the opposite. Hey, listen, you're going to be in a major battle. You need to resist the devil. And listen, I want you just to kind of go out there in the middle of the battlefield with no armor, no weapon. I want you to walk out there. and Don't worry, you'll do fine. Just get out there. Can you imagine going into battle with no weapon, no gun, no sword? Can you imagine walking into battle with no helmet, with no armor, nothing? Just walking out, hey guys, like shooting at you. What's going on, man? What are you doing? You're standing out there in the middle of the battlefield with nothing to protect you. That seems so funny, but that is exactly what we do. This is the very weapon, the very key, the very, the very absolute key to you experiencing victory in your life in the area of your mind. And Paul here is trying to help us understand this reality that this is the weapon that has been given to you to actually stand against the very strategies of the devil. Paul continues to teach us on this same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The new life version of the Bible says it in a different way. He says, or this translation says, those things God gives to fight with destroy the strong places of the devil. Think about this for a minute. I want you to just consider this for one moment. The weapon that you've been given has the power to demolish the strongholds of the devil. Like, let's just let that sink in for a minute. We're not talking about his minion. We're not talking about his little 
you know, guy who goes and gets him a Subway sandwich at lunch and gets him a little decaf coffee. We're talking about the devil himself. We're talking about the very angel that fell from heaven. We're talking about the devil that tempted Jesus. We're talking about the devil that tempts you left and right. We're talking about the devil that wants to destroy your life. We're talking about the devil that wants to destroy your marriage and destroy your finances and destroy your relationship with your friends and destroy your family. We're talking about the devil who wants to take you out. And we have the absolute weapon to destroy the strongholds of the devil. You know what I love about this verse is Paul now defines for us what those strongholds are. This is an amazing text. If you read it through the context of the definitions of the words, you will actually, we're going to pull the veil off of what are the strongholds of the devil. Paul says very clearly in the next verse, he says, With, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Very interesting, that very first word argument actually is the word imagination. Now, yes, he stands against the arguments that sets itself up. Notice, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So whenever your mind is questioning things about who God is or whenever your mind is beginning to accept doubt or fear or things about the nature, the character, and who God is in his, in his, uh, in his personage, in his character, in his nature, that the enemy's trying to get your thinking to begin to doubt the nature and the character of God. And see, the argument here, that word means imagination. I believe this is something that many Christians, 99% of Christians deal with and they don't even realize it. And this is what I believe this scripture is referring to. It's referring to in our imagination. Many times in our imagination, we can subconsciously accept a reality for our future that was not of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've gone into people's houses sometimes and I walk in and think, man, this house is so beautiful. And I look at their cars and I look at their, their businesses or their church and I go home thinking to myself, there's this subconscious thought flittering in the back of my head that says, Ryan, you need a better car. Ryan, you need a bigger house. Ryan, you need to work harder to make a big, get a bigger business. Ryan, you need to work harder to have a bigger church. Look at what they have. Look at all these things you could have, Ryan. Nicer cars and more money and nicer clothes and nicer house. And in the back of my mind, and what I do is that I say, oh man, yeah, of course, they're followers of God that makes I want that too. And then what I do is I take faith and I wrap faith around my imagination and then I start living my life out in this way because I think, oh, I'm supposed to have more better cars so I sell my cars and I put myself in debt to get nicer cars and sell my nice house to get a bigger house and I work harder and spend more time in my hours and see my family less and give more myself to my business because I need more because God told me that. No, God never told you that. It started with covetousness from something you saw in your neighbor's life and we re- the enemy wants to get our imagination off of what God wants for our lives and on what we want for our lives. And what A.W. Tozer says, I've said this before, but A.W. Tozer wrote about this very thing that imagination is not faith. Imagination projects unreal images out of the mind and seeks to attach reality to them. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. So something that's in the heart of God for your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're gonna, you know, you commit yourself to him and do the things he wants you to do and live a life for the Lord, guess what? The things that God has in his heart and mind for you will happen because they are already in his heart. 
The only time we feel like we have to have a different reality is when we something, see something that we want, that we want so badly, we wrap faith around it and our imagination now is pushing us towards something in life that God never wanted for our lives. And then we get into it and guess what happens? We get angry at God because things don't work out like we thought. It didn't satisfy us like we thought. This house has got, man, this mortgage, I can't handle it. Now I got all this debt, I got all this stuff and now I'm asking God to forgive my debt. I'm asking my friends to pray for my debt. I'm asking, all these different things begin to happen in our life all because we allowed our imagination to be the driving course for our existence. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come and he wants to get your imagination outside of the word of God for your life. Remember what Satan said to Eve? Didn't God say this? And God didn't say that. The word of God didn't say that. But Eve began to think, oh, okay, that makes sense. Of course, yeah, of course God wants that for my life. So the first thing he does is the enemy comes and he actually begins to, his strategy is to get into our imagination, our computation, our thought processes, how we think about our life. And instead of yielding that to the word of God and really trusting that God is going to figure our life out, we get into work mode and start trying to create things for our life. That's when imagination takes place. And that's when the enemy begins to, really the strategies of the enemy, the script and the virus and corruption of our thinking, that's when we start to live a life that we never thought we would live. The best thing about serving Jesus is this. I, I, I hope this is a revelation for you. Is that you just get to rest knowing that if you put Jesus Christ first in every area of your life, you put his word first, you put your, 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 your spouse and your family and you serve them and you love them and you give your best to the things that God's asked you to do, guess what? Everything that is in God's heart for you will take place. And you just get to rest and trust. It's not work. It's not effort. It's enjoyable. There's moments of up and down, sure. But you just get to rest. The second thing here we see in the scripture is that he says that we, we demolish every pretension. That word pretension is something elevated above God. This is thinking that you can live life without living through Christ. You might be here today and say, oh, that's not me. Well, actually, I think this is a majority of us where we live our life. I don't understand, and I'm still trying to figure this out for myself, how I can get up in the day and think that I can go all the way through my day and not address God once. Have you read those days? You just, oh my gosh, I haven't even talked to the Lord today at all. I haven't read my word today at all. I just, like, I'm just so busy in life and doing stuff. And what happens is, is that the enemy actually wants to get us into a place where we begin to think that uh, we don't need to live through Christ. We just need to live near Christ. If I just do the, go to church, if I just give my money, if I just do this, if I do all these things, then, then that's good. Like, I'm, I'm going to be a good person. But in reality, every decision, every thought, every moment, every relationship, every interaction, every business transaction, every perspective, everything we do should be done through Christ. And what this pretension does is actually sets us up against God thinking that our lives are okay without his presence constantly and actively every moment of our life, the Holy Spirit being the driving force of our lives. And the enemy wants to do this. And you, you can talk to the Lord about that, but ultimately this is really the role of the devil, the enemy strategy to get us in a place where we can be Christian but not be followers of Christ. Where we can be Christian but we're not disciples. The third thing he does here very clearly is that he takes every thought captive. That word thought there is an illicit thought. This is just plain and simple, trashy, cruddy thinking. These are just bad thoughts, guys. This is just illicit, lustful thinking. 
This is coveting someone or thinking hateful thoughts towards them or having sexually illicit thoughts towards someone or these are just nasty thoughts that I'm going to be honest. How many of you have ever had these thoughts? You're like, whoa, where did that come from? Ever have that? And it just hits you in the side of your head. You're like, whoa, I can't believe I just thought that. That's actually the that's the scheme and the strategy of the devil. Come on, guys. How many of you have ever had that happen before? Maybe feel stupid now. You're driving your car, and I'm just scrolling down the way, and my eyes wander here, and bam, I have a lustful thought. I'm in the store just this week, and I, I hate going to the mall, because then I feel like I don't have good enough stuff when I go to the mall. So I'm in the mall, walking down the thing, and I'm like, oh, I could totally buy those things. I could totally make it work. That's just like, oh, you know what? Who, and I'm, this is the thought that goes across my mind. Who cares about my budget? I'm just going to do it. That's a thought from the devil. And these illicit bad thoughts happen uh, more often than not. And they come through what we read. They come through what we watch. They come through what we listen to, the, what people say. Old memories that crop up. You've had those moments where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have a video playing in your mind of a sin you did several years ago. And as you're thinking about it, you're actually entertaining it because you actually enjoyed it when you did it. Come on, sin's awesome, isn't it, for a moment? And so you're thinking about it. You were playing it. Oh, I remember that. That was amazing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? That's the devil. You just think that's just your, your stupidity. No, 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 don't, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. That's the devil. So he wants to come in our imagination, in our life that we live today, and plant seeds of, uh, of, of uh, imagination so we begin to live our life really for ourselves and really not for the Lord. When in reality, living for the Lord, we just say, Lord, I trust you. I, I, I yield to you. I'm just going to take day time and take time, and you're going to bring that thing to my life. We also, uh, he comes into our mind, the script or the corruption in our mind, is we begin to think that we can live life without God. So I don't need relationship with followers of Jesus. I'm just going to go to church and give my money, but I'm never going to ever spend time with him. I'm never going to read my word. I'm never going to spend time in the atmosphere of God. I'm never going to invest in knowing more about him. I'm just going to do the nominal religious things of Christianity. And Satan says, perfect, go to church. I don't care. Give your money. That's awesome. Just don't be a disciple. <laughs> and thirdly, what he wants to do is he's just, just stinking thinking. <laughs> he just wants to get into our brains and start allowing these illicit thoughts. And I want you to just see something here. I've shared this many times, but some of you might be fresh and new. In John 8, 44, it says, When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So who's the father of lies? Satan. If Satan's the father of lies, who's the mother? If Satan's the father of lies, the mother, according to 1 Peter 1, 13, is our mind. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That word loins there, gird means to prepare, to surround, to hem in. The loins is the part of the body between the hips and the lower ribs. You get the idea. The reproductive organ of your body, that is the word loin. So he uses that word loin in combination with your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the reproductive organ of your mind. Paul, Peter here is saying that your mind is like a womb. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to plant lies and those lies conceive with your mind the, the, the sperm and the egg then become a child and now you have a thought in your brain that you never thought before. Man, where did I get this thinking that I'm not a good father? What the heck? Where did that come from? You're not a good dad. 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 And guess what? My womb, my mind, the mother of my mind gets together with the, the, the seed of the devil. He's been raping my mind for years and then I have an illegitimate 
child called discouragement, a little bit illegitimate child called depression, illegitimate child for the rest of my life thinking that no matter what I do, I'm never going to be a good dad. That is a lie from the devil. And you know exactly what your thing is in your life, the script and the virus that the enemy tries to get into your mind. And the worst part is you and I often just let the devil rape our minds with his lies. We allow the devil to come and have his way with us. James actually teaches us, James 1.21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted or engrafted in you. That word engrafted actually means it sticks to you. So look at this. Accept the word planted. That the word planted is the seed in our mind, just like the devil comes and plants his seed. Well, guess what? So does the word of God. But if you don't have the word of God in your mind, how are you going to get it in your womb? How are you going to produce children of life and children of hope and children of faith and children of joy and children of excitement and children of, of, of the kingdom of God if this seed is not in your womb? The only womb, if this seed's not in your womb, there's only one other seed in your womb. Do you see that? One time a month that we're reading our word? And the devil is having his way with you every single second of every second. You can't resist that forever, folks. That's why that bad decision you made to be with that guy or to buy that thing or to go that place. You say, how did I get to this place? It's because your mind in the very beginning had no seed of life to grab onto. Nothing was engrafted or planted in your mind. And notice what this verse says, the very last four words, which can what? save you. So the word of God being planted in your mind can actually save you. It's the miracle of what God's word does. This is what I've learned about God's word. I don't need to always understand it. I don't always need to enjoy it. Many times I say, man, I remember you said word, read it, it was like, bam, dude, God spoke to me, man. Now I read it and it's like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Well, listen, that blue, blue, blue are getting seeds into your thinking. So when the devil comes and says, hey, you're a bad dad, I'm like, well, wait up now. I'm not a bad dad. The scripture says there should be no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's weird. Actually, the word of God says, blessed is the man who meditates on the word of God. He'll be prosperous in everything that he does. So devil, you can just shut up. Many of us just let the enemy ravage our thinking when he says, here, this is what I've given you right here. People say, well, I need to go speak in tongues. Yeah, speak in tongues, good. Oh, I need to go pray. Yeah, go pray, good. I need to go have counseling. Go have counseling, good. But, but, but start here. Start with this. Start with the seed of God's word in your life. Let's finish out this last scripture here. So he, he identifies that we have a weapon. He identifies what the, the scheme of the devil is. And now he's gonna tell us what we can do with it. Look at this. It says to demolish arguments and every pretension. The word demolish means to take down. It means to destroy. He says to take captive. How many thoughts? How many thoughts? You're telling me that there should be no rogue thoughts in my mind, not one unchecked thought. Like there's a gatekeeper at the door. Oh, sorry, you can't sneak by me now. Hey, do you have a pass? No, you don't? Okay, you need to leave. 
Every single thought. You say, Ryan, that's a lot of work. Yes, it's like a muscle. Listen, I quit on Joel. I quit, buddy. I quit, okay? Get off my case! Joel's committed. He offered to pay for a membership. I said, dude, I can't do it. He's working me out, and guess what? I said, Joel, how long is this going to take to see some results? He goes, three months. I said, oh, no, I can't wait that long. <laughs> but if I would have stuck with it, in the times when I'm repping out 10 pounds and Joel's at 60, I'm like, <laughs> you think to yourself, oh, man, this is so hard. Oh, man, this is so boring. Oh, man, this isn't worth it. Oh, man, I can't do it. Get The day will come where your muscles of your mind are going to be strengthened. And when that, that thought comes, Ryan, you're not a good dad, I'll be able to say, whoop, I don't even allow that first sentence, first millisecond of that word into my brain. Because why? I've strengthened the muscle of my mind by allowing the seed of God's word into my thinking. You cannot expect that God's going to be able to give you the freedom that you need in your life if you do not have the very life of his word in your thinking. And so you have to take every thought captive. Now that word actually captive there means a spear. That's the word connected to that. So whenever a thought comes into your mind, you actually have to take it captive with a spear. You take that thought. You got to get these word in your mind and you stick it. Pardon me, Alyssa. <laughs> right in the face of that thought. Is this embarrassing? Is this weird? Just <laughs> stick it. You hold it captive. Oh, I'm holding you captive. I'm taking you prisoner in the name of Jesus Christ. The word of God says that, 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 that there is per perfect love actually casts out fear. Fear. You must go. But if you do not have this weapon at your disposal, you will not make it through this life experiencing everything that Jesus has for you. And it does take work. And it is hard sometimes. I want to get to this last part here as we transition uh, into our time of worship. I want you to notice here that you have to make this thought obedient to Christ. When you have these illicit thoughts, in just a minute, about, about, about 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 8 minutes, 7 minutes. You have to make it obedient to who? To Christ. Okay, so it's one thing to remove a thought. Many of us remove the thought. It's like being in a hospital bed and you're about to go through surgery and fear is gripping your body and your mind. Don't think about fear. 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 Don't be afraid. Don't have fear. Don't have fear. Don't have fear. Don't have fear. What are you going to be thinking about? Oh, I'm so, so afraid. If you remove a thought, you cannot leave your mind dormant or empty without another thought. That's why we have to do the next three things I'm going to share with you as we end. I want to give you very practical things to help you get this sword, learn how to wield this sword like a, like a ninja master. But before we do, I want you just to make my final point about the fact that this is what we're called to do because Jesus did it. Do you know Jesus was tempted by the devil? Actually, it's the only time we see it. And it's so elementary, but it's so revelatory. Look what Jesus did in the scripture, Matthew 4. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So here, Satan is actually getting Jesus to be prideful, pretentious. He's actually trying to get him to not obey the will of the Father because the will of, of, uh, of Jesus was to 
go through 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and the spirit would come on him and then he was going to be crucified. Satan was doing whatever he could to get him, Jesus, to try to live a life without the father. And so he says, listen, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, spear. The what says? The scripture. Even Jesus did this, folks. Let that be a revelation for you for a moment. The perfect man that ever lived, 100% God, 100% man, he also had to stand and resist the temptation of the devil with the weapon of God's word. Now you think, Ryan, I don't need that. Well, if Jesus needed it, by golly, you do too. He says, it is written. People do not live by bread alone, but by everything, every word the Bible, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look at the next one, Matthew 4, 3, 11, continued, sorry. If you're the son of God, jump off. Look at this. He's trying, this is an illicit thought. He was telling Jesus to commit suicide. Because Satan knew the ultimate death of Christ was on the cross. That was the will of the Father, to fulfill his purpose on this planet. Satan wanted to, to derail that in his life. And so he brought illicit thoughts, of, maybe not in this moment, but illicit thoughts like sexual thoughts and greedy thoughts and vain thoughts and all sorts of thoughts. Satan was here trying to get Jesus to not die the way the Father wanted him to die. He wanted him to commit suicide. Come on, cast yourself down. And the angels, well, he, he, actually Satan quotes scripture. And then Jesus responds in verse seven. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And finally, look at this. I will give it all to you. He plays to his imagination. Jesus, Jesus, look at all this. Look at the kingdoms of this world. I'm gonna make a deal with you. I'm gonna make you rich. You're gonna have the nicest car. You're going to have the best and largest business. You're going to have the most perfect marriage. Oh, it's going to be so perfect. Never any trouble. Hey, if you just take that thing and, and pursue that thing, listen, it's going to be awesome. But all I need you to do is just bow down before me. Look what Jesus says to him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only Jesus used the scripture, the weapon, the seed of God's word to resist the devil. If you, listen, if you want to have a victorious life, you have to have a victorious mind. And the way to have a victorious mind is to do the next three things I'm going to tell you to do. Number one, as we end our time to hear, very simple, meditate on God's word. Psalms 1, 2, and 3. Look at this. Blessed is the one who delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Stop reading your Bible. The Bible never teaches us to read his Bible. Or the, Bible the Bible never teaches us to read it. Ever. You know what he teaches us to do? Is meditate on it. Have you ever seen a, 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 a sheep chew its cud? An example, a sheep are used over 220 times in the Bible to define us believers. When a sheep eats its food, it has four stomach chambers. It goes into its stomach, and guess what it does? It regurgitates its food 
and chews on it again. And then it goes down and it spits it up again and it chews it again. You want to know why it does that? Because it, its stomach is not able to process the food. And so it has to chew on the, on the food over and over and over again in order for it to get into its system. I've been meditating on Psalm 16 all year. And I've used that scripture more times than not to cast away the devil in my life. You alone are my cup and my salvation. You alone, you alone, you, you alone. Oh my gosh, you alone, there's nothing else. You alone, you alone, you alone, you alone. You alone, my cup, cup, Lord. You're my, my inheritance, my cup, my inheritance, my, my, my being, my, you alone, you alone. The Bible never says read the entire Psalm 16 in under a minute and then check off a checklist. The Bible says to meditate. It's easy. One verse, meditate on it, chew on it, regurgitate it. Read it again, swallow it, regurgitate it, chew on it, swallow it until finally you get the concept of the word that you alone are my cup and my salvation, which means there is nothing else in my life that can fulfill me like Jesus. You alone. I live for no other reason than for you alone. It's spiritual freedom. You start to have a victorious mind. You realize I don't need that money. I don't need that stuff. Why? Because you alone are my cup and my salvation. Regurgitate it. Process it. Chew on it. I mean, that word meditate means to moan. It's like, baby, you're a firework. You sing the song and then you're driving down the road. Same thing. And just try to get the concept of one of God's life-giving scriptures, so much so that you embody the idea that there is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. Just think if you could just process that one concept no weapon formed against me from the devil will ever prosper can you imagine how life the kind of life that you would live if you understood blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord who trusts in the Lord who trusts in the Lord meditate on his word the second thing here is memorize memorize Psalms 119.16 I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word I want to give two quotes here one from Dallas Dallas Willard, professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California. Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what, is, what, it, what, what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart of your mouth. That's where you need it. How does it get into your mouth? Through memorization. Chuck Swindle also said this. He wrote this in a book, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life. I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing Scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper, much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. Your mind is like a hard drive. And if you're in a situation where you're experiencing temptation or difficulty, laying in the hospital room full of fear, you've got to be able to draw on the files that you've stored in your brain and you can only do that through Bible memorization. And you can only memorize by reading something over and over and over again. And lastly here today, Michael, you can go ahead and come up, my friend. I want to read Romans 10, 17. Look what the scripture says. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing 
by the word of God. Where does faith come from? Where does, where does hearing come from? The word of God. Lastly here, the very final one is this, obedience to God's word. Let's read this together in James chapter 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so lie to yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives what? Freedom, liberty. That word means victory. And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? Blessed in what they do. Notice that the things you do with your life are blessed by what? Intently and continuing in looking into and learning and understanding the perfect law that gives victory. Now, I hope you've seen, seen it here today. I hope you've caught it. You've heard it today. That this, in my opinion, is the key to experiencing victory in your life. You got to pick this Bible up. You got to find one verse that you want to meditate on and you meditate the heck out of that scripture. <laughs> Get it in your spirit. And you allow the seed of God's word to permeate your heart and mind and he'll begin to break down those strongholds and demolish the arguments and demolish the pretensions and demolish the every thought in your mind that might be illicit and bad in your thinking. Why don't you guys stand with me this morning? We're going to go into a time of worship. We're also going to have some communion during this time today. And so our communion is right over here on this table. And what I'd like you to do is anytime during the next few songs, if you, I encourage you to go and grab uh, some wine there and some, uh, some bread. It's orange juice, grape juice, I think. Grape juice and bread. Grab some and you take, uh, take a time of communion between you and the Lord. And I really want to encourage you guys to submit your mind to him. Ask him to come and heal your mind. You can go and start playing, Michael. Thanks, buddy. Because that's what I think he wants to do here today. Is he wants to get you back to the place where you believe you can actually see some victory in your thinking. So I want you to take communion today and then I'm going to come up at the end. I'm going to just lead us in a prayer for that. Would you just close your eyes and let me pray while Michael starts today. Father, we just thank you that your word, Father, is true and that every thought from the devil is a lie. I ask and pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you, as during this time of response and this time of worship, your spirit would come and that you would minister to our hearts, Lord. And every mind that is in bondage right now, every mind that has been corrupted, Lord, we come like a virus protection. We install you in our mind and say, Lord, eradicate the things in our mind that have kept us from living the life that you called us to live. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's worship together this morning. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.